Hi, Curious Listener. Welcome back to Corn Fed Killer. Today we are doing our back in the day and spooky episode. If you listen to the Rose Varus episode on Tuesday, you might recall that I included a quote from Rose in which she mentioned that people thought she was born with a veil. This is a term that I had heard before, but I never really thought much about it or really understood what it meant. But now, having spent so much time reading about old Rose Veras, my interest in really understanding the phrase has peaked. So that's what we're going to talk about today for our combo back in the day and spooky episode. So this is the back in the day part. Okay, so to be born with a veil is literally to be born with the amniotic sac unbroken and with the head still covered. This veil is often called a call or a hood. This phenomenon is quite rare, only only occurring in roughly one out of every 80,000 births. So what does it mean? Well, it's believed in many cultures that to be born with a veil signifies one who has been born with a sort of spiritual sensitivity. That is, they are more in tune with the spiritual realm and can sense energy and are believed to be able to see and communicate within the spiritual realm. Additionally, many cultures believe that those born beneath a veil possess psychic or even prophetic abilities. Likewise, being born with a veil portends good luck or good fortune. It may signify that the child will possess an exceptional talent or will be extremely successful and wealthy. I assume that Rose Veras meant when she said that people thought she was born with a veil was that people thought she had some kind of mystical power since, you know, they called her the witch of Del Rey. Interestingly enough, the the idea of being born with a call or a veil is something that humans have been fascinated by and something that humans have attached certain significance to for centuries. In fact, in Charles Dickinson's classic novel, David Copperfield, I'm sure you've heard of it, Copperfield's veil or call is actually auctioned off as a talisman or a good luck charm, believed to be able to protect sailors from drowning. The power of a call to offer protection against drowning, death, or evil is found in several literary pieces going back almost to the Bible and in many cultures. So really interesting, right? Um, I don't know. I think, I, I mean, I don't know what I think as far as, I don't know if I believe it's luck. I mean, I guess maybe it, it makes sense to believe that it's lucky because, you know, it's so rare. I don't know about, mm, you know, believing that it signifies some kind of uh, spiritual connectedness or something. I, I don't know, but it's interesting. It's interesting. All right. So let's turn to the spooky part of today's episode. We're going to be talking about the exorcist. 
Do, do, do. <laughs> As you undoubtedly know, there is a new Exorcist movie coming out. Well, today, actually. And I'll bet many of you have seen the old one, the original one, from 1973. If you haven't, I recommend it if you can handle it. <laughs> Me, I love horror movies, but I'm also a big baby. I have seen the original one a few times and I have nightmares every time, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment or something. Um, but that certainly is not going to stop me from watching the new one. I just love that feeling of being scared to death. You know, I think that's uh, in a lot of us, right? We go to haunted houses, we watch scary movies. There's something about that feeling. All right. So, you know, it's cool. I'm sure many of you can relate. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen to true st crime stories, right? So, okay. Um, so you may or may not know that the original movie was indeed based on a true story. Now, before we get into it, let me just say that I did also look at the new version that's coming out today. That one is not based on any fact. All right. So to be clear, the, the movie in 73 was based on a 1971 book by a man named William Blatty. Now, Blatty wrote the book after learning about the possession and exorcism of a boy called Roland Doe while in college. So let's get into Roland Doe's story. Now, in case you didn't notice, Doe... You know, you've heard of John Doe, Jane Doe. This is the same sort of thing here, um, Roland Doe, because no one really knew exactly who it was for a very long time. Um, just that it was like an R name and where it took place. So that's that's what it was. That's what he was called. All right, so Roland's story takes place in Cottage City, Maryland in the late 1940s. 1949, when he was 14 years old, is when he had the exorcism. Exorcisms, <laughs> to be exact. And curious listener, wouldn't you know it, it all seemingly started with a Ouija board. You see, Roland asked for one, for his birthday that year and his aunt Harriet, I can't believe I just said aunt. <laughs> I guess I've been listening to the morbid podcast because they always say aunt. Um, here in the Midwest, we say aunt. <laughs> okay. So his aunt to Harriet, um, after his aunt passed away, the family tried to communicate with her using the Ouija board. After this, Roland got mysterious scratches all over his body, and he began to experience odd phenomena like tapping, scratching on the walls, pounding, things that, you know, didn't have any cause that, you know, nothing that, you know, nobody was doing it that he could see. So the scratches in particular, of course, frightened his parents, and they had him baptized in a Catholic church and even moved to a different house. But these efforts did nothing to help Roland. In fact, during the baptism, Roland apparently went into a violent fit, screaming, clawing, and thrashing about. 
Roland continued to experience these terrible things. Scratches on his body that came out of nowhere. Scratches started to appear on his bed, on the mattress, on the headboard. His bed would move and shake violently on its own. His parents took him to doctors, experts, and a psychiatrist, but none could find an explanation for what was happening to Roland, nor could any of them put a stop to it. Finally, a priest named Father Raymond Bishop reached out to the family and he performed multiple exorcisms on Roland. The one that inspired the exorcism you see in the movie, the original movie, is an exorcism that took place for real and had to be stopped in the middle of it because Roland had ripped out a spring from his mattress and threw it at Father Bishop. And also, just like in the movie, Roland reportedly thrashed about, spoke in Latin, which he didn't know, and when he spoke, it was in a deep, unfamiliar voice like that you know evil demon voice like reagan in the movie and he also vomited urinated on himself and spit at father bishop during these exorcisms after this one particular one with the mattress spring after a few days after it deep red scratches appeared on roland's back and they spelled out the name lewis L-O-U-I-S. In the movie, if you've re you remember, if you've seen it, if not, I guess I'm giving something away here, but in the movie, scratches spell out help me on Reagan. It's, you know, and it's a particularly sad thing because it's, you know, obviously points to the fact that she doesn't have control over what's happening to her. Well, Father Bishop took this name Lewis to mean St. Louis University. And he brought Roland's parents there and introduced them to Father Holloran and Reverend Bodern. Father Holloran and Reverend Bodern agreed to perform an exorcism on Roland at his home. During the first exorcism the pair performed, Reverend Bodern had placed a crucifix under Roland's pillow Immediately after, the bed started shaking uncontrollably and was actually turned over, and the crucifix sent flying to the end of the bed. Crazy. <laughs> the pair performed a few more exorcisms. Some of them were at home. Some of them took place elsewhere at different uh, universities in different churches, um, but to no avail. Nothing, nothing was working. Finally, a final exorcism was performed by Father Holloran again and another priest named William Van Roo. Now this one, like the others, was violent and during the course of the exorcism, Father Holloran's nose got broken. Unlike the other exorcisms though, this one was successful. Roland Doe returned to the boy he was and did not experience any further possessions, unexplained scratches, injuries, so on and so forth. Everything abruptly stopped after that particular exorcism. 
Now, it's unclear why that one and not the other ones worked, or maybe it just took several of them because of whatever was possessing him. But, oh my God, it is frightening. I think these kinds of stories are the scariest to me, demon possession stories. And they're always the scariest horror movies to watch, in my opinion, because you think in the back of your mind, that could happen, you know, it could possibly happen. And a lot of people believe that it does. Now, you know, this is a quote unquote true story and people saw it happen. It wasn't just, you know, one family that made things up. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it is hard to believe. It really is especially if you're not a religious person, if you're not a person who believes in angels and demons and all that. And, you know, curious listener, I believe in something, but I wouldn't characterize myself as a, you know, religious person. I'm a spiritual person. So yeah, you know, it, it is very scary. And I could not imagine being his parents, let alone Roland. I mean, he, he was the real obviously the one that suffered and the trauma going forward. Um, he did amazingly well though. Um, the real Roland Doe was later identified to be a man named Ronald Hunkler and Hunkler managed, like I said, to do really well. And he was very successful in life. He managed to stay out of the public eye for several years after the exorcisms and not many people knew his true identity, just a few academics, some doctors, and the priests. And they all helped to keep his identity hidden for many years. And I can only imagine that part of that was, you know, out of respect for him and for his family. Um, and probably part of it, too, because it's uh, something that is extraordinary and sort of out there and maybe not something that everyone would believe. And they certainly didn't want him to become a target of anything, right? And also, you know, doctors, they can't really divulge things like that, and priests can't either. So it's it's fortunate that he was able to keep his identity hidden because, you know, he was very afraid. And he said that he would even go out of town on Halloween um, because that's when, you know, everybody would be watching The Exorcist and everybody would be talking about it. And when the movie came out, you know, it was said that it was based on a true story and he was worried that somehow his identity would be discovered. And it wasn't for several, several years. And Ronald actually worked as an engineer for NASA and he was instrumental in the 1967 moon landing. And he had patents that helped with um, the Apollo missions so he did very well and no one you know knew that background he died of a stroke just short of his 86th birthday in 2020 so you know very recently it's interesting you know you wouldn't think it seems like such a long ago time that the movie was made and it kind of was but kind of not you know so anyway um he died at home in Merrittsville. Marriott'sville, Maryland. So yeah, crazy, right? Uh, just crazy. I, I hope you enjoyed this little dive into exorcisms and being born with a veil. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a little short, sweet episode. Um, well, not really sweet. 
<laughs> short, scary, <laughs> and hopefully thought-provoking episode. Y'all, if you are going to go see that movie, let me know if you see it, what you think, if it's scary. I'm definitely going to go tonight, um, and I will let you know if I spend the rest of the weekend wide awake. <laughs> I might. And also, somebody pointed out to me that I forgot to put pictures of Rose on the Instagram. So I will remedy that right now as soon as I get this uploaded. Um, you know, I just forget stuff sometimes. So I apologize. I will put some pictures up there and um, we will join. I will join you again. Hopefully you'll listen again on Tuesday for another true crime episode. Till next time, curious listener. Bye.